0: This podcast contains material that some listeners may find objectionable. It may contain graphic descriptions of atrocities committed during the 1937 Nanking Massacre in China.
1: Welcome back to The Undaunted Women of Nanking, the wartime diaries of Minnie Votrin and Sen Shui Fan. last episode, we introduced Sen Shui-Fan, who, along with Mini Votrin, helped protect thousands of civilians during the Japanese occupation of Nanking. In this episode, we'll hear the last journal entries Votrin and Sen wrote, before the city fell to the Japanese. Friday, December 10th, from Votrin's Diary.
0: 7.30 a.m. I had thought the night might be one of continued bombardment, but it was strangely quiet and peaceful, save for the occasional sounds of people wandering on the street. At seven this morning, the warning siren sounded, but no planes have yet come. I can now hear the sound of machine guns off to the south. The weather is still warm and clear, an immeasurable blessing to the wanderers on the streets. The above paragraph I shall have to rescind. When I went to breakfast, all the others spoke of the continual sound of guns during the night until about four this morning. Evidently, I was so dead tired that I heard nothing. Refugees continued to come in this morning. The old faculty house is about full. The central building is filling. Mr. Steele, Chicago Daily News reporter, came over this morning to look around. Outside of our front gate, the refugees are taking bricks intended for a new house and are fast building them into tiny houses. No bricklayers are needed. They cover with a piece or two of matting and there they have a room all their own in which they can be happy and independent. It is not a very safe place. But they do not realize that. With considerable pride, I was invited to inspect several. The streets crowded with refugees and their belongings reminds me of the villages when the big market day is on. This afternoon, F. Chen and I went to our west boundary to help put up safety zone flags. The hope is that all military will be out by tomorrow and that telegrams to that effect Can be sent to both parties. While we were out there was a severe air raid and several bombs were dropped west of seminary. For the first time I heard the whirr of a dropping bomb and saw the flash from the anti-aircraft guns. We hid among the grave mounds while the planes were overhead. There has been heavy shooting most of the day. The Japanese are said to be very near Guanghua Gate and tonight the sky to the west is aflame the destruction of the houses of the poor just outside the city wall. John McGee says his compound looks like an island in a sea of smoldering ruins. At the press conference tonight, the question was raised of the poor when the city is turned over. Who will take care of them during coming months? The mother whose little 12-year-old girl was shut outside the city has stood outside our gate most of the day Scanning crowds for some sign of her little daughter.
1: Saturday, December 11th, from Sen's Diary.
2: This morning, two babies died. One was only a month old and suffocated, and the other, three months old, had been ill for some time. This afternoon, once again, a baby was born. Now, there are births and deaths. Also, five or six women are about to give birth. Today, the shelling of artilleries intensified. Tomorrow, number 300 building will have to be opened for refugees occupancy. Our original plan has failed. One cannot get into the restroom. Some people do not have portable johns and have to use others. Some simply release on the ground. So we have to let them place their portable johns at their sites and everyone takes care of her own needs. With so many people, it's easy to become chaotic and impossible to keep order. We must let people stay in the restroom. There's no law and order on the streets. Our soldiers are about to flee shortly. Nor are there any policemen. Some foot soldiers looted the North Gate Bridge areas, and so did the civilians. A few military policemen, who maintain order, have shot several looters. Our army set fire in Shaguan, and many places were burnt down, including Chen Liang's house. Probably only the. Episcopal Church is still standing. One section of the Ministry of Communication was hit by explosives, too. People are jittery and nervous. The Japanese soldiers are about to enter the city.
1: Saturday, December 11th, from Votrin's Diary.
0: All night and all day, there has been heavy artillery fire into the city, as well as outside the city, especially to the southwest. In our little valley, it has not seemed so loud and terrifying, but in the city it has been pitiful. John McGee reported that many bodies were lying in front of the fuchang Hotel and Capitol Theater and in the Circle. In the night, it sounded as if the heavy firing was over in the southeast part of the city, He also reported that the rest of Xiaquan is to be burned tonight. Such deep indignation at such destruction and suffering rises within me that I have difficulty in controlling myself. We no longer have signal planes, they just come. Refugees continued to come into our campus. By noon there were about 850. In addition, three families are living at East Court and about 120 at Neighborhood House. We are building a mat shed between the two north dormitories and will let men we know sell food there. The rice kitchen outside our front gate is not yet open, in spite of all our pressure. Refugees have a naive conception of the safety zone, seem to think it all right for them to stand out in the middle of the road when an air raid is on. At the press conference tonight, we were all urged to ask people to stay inside of houses or behind walls. Wrote a short article today for Chicago Daily News, also sent names of 38 college employees to American Embassy, where they will write armbands for them. At four o'clock, decided to go up to South Hill Residence and put as many of the good things as possible into attics. A group of our faithful servants went with me and in less than two hours, we had moved most of the best things up. We'll try to get something to put in front of doors. In the living room, I left Catherine's piano. It was damaged in looting of 1927 and may meet same fate again. At press conference tonight there were 20 of us all foreigners. Four pressmen were present and all the rest were missionaries, excepting two German and one Russian lad. Searle gave a rather dismal report of breakdown in military authority. The lower officers disobeyed the defense commander's orders and the soldiers and artillery are not yet out of the safety zone. In fact, This morning I discovered that trenches were still being dug within college boundaries. As I write this, there is heavy bombing and machine gun firing to southeast and southwest of city. People prophesy that the enemy army will be in in three days, and in the interim there will be terrible destruction. Tomorrow is Sunday, I believe. All the days are alike now. Miss Wong, Miss Shuei, and Miss Lo are giving us invaluable help. Mrs. Sen is great in a time like this. Francis Chen, who was afraid at first, said today he is glad he is here, and he has lost all fear. Our fellowship service this morning was real. Religion is made for times like these.
1: Sunday, December 12th, from Sen's Diary.
2: now, the artilleries are shelling continuously. Our soldiers are probably going to retreat. We heard they say that the Japanese army is approaching Wuhu and will probably surround our army. No one is on the street, nor are any goods for sale. Only refugees are fleeing for their lives. Today our rice kitchen is open, providing food free of charge for the first day only. And tomorrow it will begin to charge money. Those who have money pay three copper coins for a bowl of rice porridge. Those who are penniless pay nothing. Rice porridge is carried from outside the gate to the quadrangle of the campus, and two stations are set up. At the center to dispense food. There are too many refugees and very crowded. We have to be there to maintain order, so we are so busy, so exhausted. For this and that we could barely handle it. Today the Japanese airplanes are no longer bombing. These couple of weeks the weather has been unusually warm. The warm weather is good for the refugees but it helps the is fighting
1: too. Sunday, December 12th, from Votran's Diary.
0: As I write these notes at 8.30 this evening, there is heavy artillery fire pounding away in the southwest sections of the city. The window panes are shaking, and I have taken the precaution of getting away from the window. All day, there has been heavy bombardment. Some say the Japanese army has entered the city, but we have not had the report confirmed. One soldier told our gate man that at Guanghua Gate, the Japanese troops entered four or five times and were driven back. Have also heard that the 88th Division are being replaced by the 87th. Sad to say, troops have been going through the safety zone all day. At press conference tonight, Heard that Tong, the defense commander, does not have much control over his troops. And in most places in the city, save in the zone, there has been looting. From the sound of that terrific bombardment, I am afraid there is not much left of our fine old city wall. Airplanes come freely now and release their whole rack of bombs, and there is no interference from anti-aircraft guns or Chinese planes. I certainly think it was a terrible mistake to burn all the houses outside of the city wall and many within, if the sacrifice has been of so little value. Who suffers by the destruction but the poor of China? Why not have turned city over undestroyed? This morning at 10.30, went to Drum Tower Church. There were about 60 present. One member of the church emergency committee preached a good sermon. There are many refugees living in the church compound. The guns are practically quiet now. I wonder if it means that a breach has been made in the wall and Japanese are entering. Refugees continue to come in. We now have three buildings filled and are now beginning on the Arts Building. Unfortunately, the rice kitchen to be managed by Red Cross has not yet opened up, so it has been most difficult for the people who brought no food with them. After repeated urgings, we think we can get it open by nine in the morning. But if the city is turned over in the night, even that may not be possible. Funny things do happen in all this distress and terror. Guo, the tailor opposite our east gate, foolishly permitted the New Life Movement to store some of their things in a room of his house before they left the city. He has begun to worry about them as the Japanese have drawn nearer. Today, I called Mr. Finch in, and the two of us took responsibility for asking him to destroy all literature. All afternoon, he and his wife and all their relatives have been carrying load after load to our incinerator, and they are burning it. Drops of perspiration stood out on his forehead as he trudged along. They got rid of it just in time. From the sound of that shooting, I would say the Japanese are in the city. Lin, the very efficient janitor in the central building, is hoarse tonight from his efforts to get the refugee women and children to be clean on his good floors. He was telling the gatemen this afternoon how difficult it was to keep children from wetting on his floors. The gatemen said, why don't you tell them not to? Tell them not to, said Lynn, disgustedly in his hoarse voice. I do tell them, but as soon as I turn my back, they do it. This afternoon at 5 p.m. as I went over to the English service, I saw a great ribbon of fire on Purple Mountain extending along the upper third of the mountain. How the fire started I have not heard, but it means that many pines are burned. Between nine and 10 tonight, Mr. Chen and I made a tour of the campus. Hu, the laundry man, and Sa, his farmer neighbor, were both up. They are fearful of retreating soldiers tonight for they have young girls in their families. Few people will sleep in the city tonight. From the South Hill residence, we could see the South City still burning and also Xia Guan. Think I shall sleep with my clothes on tonight so I can get up if I am needed. Wish the night were over. Just a year ago today, General Chong was taken prisoner at Xi'an.
1: Monday, December 13th, from Sen's Diary.
2: Last night, our troops retreated, and no anti-artillery sound could be heard this morning. This afternoon at 2 p.m., the Japanese soldiers entered the city from Gate. When our campus policeman Huang spotted Japanese soldiers on the Canton Road from the South Hill, he ran, taking off his police uniform. After he reached number 400 building, he was so scared that he fell down, his face becoming pale. He was really a coward. We at once went to the South Hill to observe and saw more than 10 soldiers standing behind Old Shao's house. All the workers were frightened. Shortly the Japanese soldiers came to the poultry place to ask for chickens. Workers went to find Ms. Hua. She told the soldiers that the chickens are not edible and then they left. They came because of hearing geese cackling. Tonight, many refugees came to the college as the Japanese soldiers drove them out of their own homes because the soldiers wanted to sleep there. Most of these refugees came empty-handed. The soldiers had taken their bedding. They were scared to death. This happened in the safety zone. People presumed that the Japanese soldiers would not enter into the safety zone. I feel so sad. Nanking has not had peace since four months ago and fell only after three days' fighting. It is really pathetic. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Today, two more poor babies were born. Their mothers are suffering too, and all sleep on the ground.
1: Monday, December 13th, from votrin's Diary.
0: I have heard that the Japanese entered Guangshua Gate at 4 a.m. All night long, the heavy artillery was pounding against the city gates. They say the south, but it sounded to me like the west. There was a good deal of shooting inside the city. I did not really go off soundly to sleep and in my half-conscious state, I thought the Japanese were chasing Chinese troops outside of the city and firing at them as they retreated. None of us took off our clothes for fear something might happen. Sometime after five, I got up and went to the front gate. All was quiet there, but the gate man said retreating soldiers had been passing in large groups and some had been begging for ordinary civilian clothes. This morning, many military garments were found inside our compound. Our neighbors have been wanting to come in, but we have tried to help them to see that if they are in the safety zone, they are as safe as we are and that all parts of the safety zone should be equally safe. The soup or rice kitchen at our front gate served rice for the first time this morning. We fed the dormitories in order of their coming on campus. By 10.30, the meal had been finished. They are to have the second meal this afternoon. Cyril Bates came over about 11 and reported that the Ministry of Communications building has been destroyed yesterday, according to Chinese orders, and that the next building was to be the Ministry of Railways. I'm heartsick about it, for I feel it is useless and wrong, and injures the Chinese far more than the Japanese. He also reported that $50,000 has been given to International Red Cross for use for the military hospitals, The first one will be established in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. A committee of 17 has been organized. 4 p.m. the report came to me that there were Japanese soldiers on the hill west of us. I went up to South Hill Residence to see and sure enough our west hill had a number of them on it. Soon I was called by another servant, who said that one had entered our poultry experiment station and wanted chickens and geese. Immediately I went down and he soon left, after my efforts at sign language telling him the chickens were not for sale. He happened to be polite. The city is strangely silent, after all the bombing and shelling. Three dangers are past, that of looting soldiers, bombing from airplanes, and shelling from big guns, but the fourth is still before us, our fate at the hands of a victorious army. People are very anxious tonight and do not know what to expect. Plumer Mills reported this evening that their contacts so far have been pleasant, but to be sure, they have been few. 7.30 p.m., the men managing the rice kitchen report that Japanese soldiers are occupying the house opposite our gate, in which the rice is stored. Francis Chen and I tried to make contact with the head man of the group, but got nowhere. The guard at the gate was as fierce as I care to meet. Later, I went over to see the director of safety zone about it, and they will try to solve the problem tomorrow but all agree it must be handled circumspectly tonight nanking has no lights no water no telephone no telegraph no city paper no radio we are indeed separated from all of you by an impenetrable zone tomorrow i shall try to get a radiogram through to uss panay to dr wu yifang and also to new york so far jinling people and buildings has come through safely, but we are not sure of the coming days. We are all fearfully tired. On almost any occasion we give forth deep groans of weariness, a tiredness that permeates through and through. There are many disarmed soldiers in the safety zone tonight. I have not heard if there were any trapped in the city.
1: Thanks for listening. In our next episode, we'll explore the immediate aftermath of the fall of Nanking, when the Japanese army enters the city and begins combing Jinling College in the safety zone for possible Chinese army deserters and for women to abduct. Minnie and Sen struggle to describe the horrors they witness at the hands of the occupiers.